0: the introduction you have to.
1: welcome to the child care barn girl podcast jeff johnson with you coming live from upstairs studio in studio virtually with me is nicole halton from inspired ec our co-host from down under um let's get another mate. let's let's throw another <laughs> episode in the barbie uh, nicole- do you know what
0: that's one of those expressions that no one in australia has ever said <laughs> like ever, <laughs> the whole sh- throw another shrimp on the Barbie thing has just never been said.
1: Never. <laughs> hey Nicole, I was reading the news not too long ago. It's this. Uh, Got to find out if it's really true. It's this the science news site I, I visit once in a while, and it told me that uh, parts of Australia are currently being overrun with mice.
0: Oh my gosh, it's so true. It, although now that we're, we're into winter, it's starting to get a bit cold for them. They're not breeding as much, but. So we went uh, back in April, we went out to the centre of Australia and as we came back, we came back through kind of outback Queensland and outback New South Wales and that is where it is mice plague, like thousands and thousands, literally kind of like the ground is moving with mice. Um, So, yeah, they, they were in a really, I think it was to do with, I don't know all the sciencey stuff, but it was to do with the weather. Um, There'd been a long period. We had a couple of years of drought and then we had rain that really broke the drought. And then I think that combination of things led to a super breeding episode with the mice and so the mice have just been out of control they've literally they've destroyed it's funny but it's not funny because well, yeah. it's destroyed crops it's like but the idea of you know plagues of mice is quite disturbing uh, but yes it is true
1: so so it, it- so apparently dry conditions and then really really wet conditions makes mice oh so horny. I um, think mice apparently. I didn't so, Yeah. I don't know um, the
0: science behind it but.
1: So the the article I read had video of it was like some sort of a trucking company or everything or something and they baited, they put out the traps. I think they hauled grain, I think is what they did. Yeah. And uh, they put out uh, uh, the bait traps, you know, with the poison they and and uh, and the guys like um, the floor is just covered yeah. with, with dead mice. And he's like, we put the traps out three hours ago or something and, and they're yeah. scooping them up with one of those wide grain shovels. It was just, <laughs> and so I didn't know if that was an internet hoax thing or if that was a real thing. So. um, Okay.
0: So the, wor- the funniest part though, is there was a guy that was interviewed and again, probably not funny, but it is, um, there was a guy that was interviewed and his story was, so he was in this area where mice were really bad He had gone to bed uh, and he said overnight that he used to sometimes forget and leave the bread out or whatever and they'd chew through the bag and eat all the bread and whatever. Well, this one night he went to sleep. He fell asleep in the lounge room um, and woke up through the night thinking, oh, what is that? And looked down and there was a mouse chewing through his toenail and it actually chewed a hole in his toenail. Yeah,
1: it's disturbing. Okay, well, those are words I never thought would be spoken on the podcast, <laughs> so um, that, that caught me off guard a little bit. That you is,
0: started this conversation. Well, no, yeah, Here I know. Is. I
1: brought it up. Um, that, that harkens back to Lisa talking about her rash that one time. Um, uh, that's, <laughs> at least okay. it wasn't
0: my toe. It was somebody else's.
1: Yeah, yeah. At least it wasn't your toe. That would, that would have been worse. <laughs> um, okay, so there, listeners, there's a little bit of international uh, science news. Um, so, Nicole, what are we talking about this episode?
0: We are talking small world play.
1: So where do you want to start?
0: Well, I guess I find small world play a really interesting one because for most people, and I think for me early on in my career, it was something that I would set up for children. I would set up a space Children that might be on a tabletop or it might be in a corner of the room or whatever, and set up a space. And there'd be, you know, little trees and people and animals, and you know, whatever it happened to be, it might be a little dinosaur space or it might be whatever. But it was essentially this small world that the children could then play with. The issue with that was that the children usually wrecked it. That was my adult educator issue, was that the children wrecked it. Um, And so, and I actually wrote a blog post about this probably five or six years ago um and it's that that sense of we set up those spaces we create those spaces and so then we develop this really strong sense of ownership and then we say we want the children to come in and play in these spaces but they don't do what we expect them to do with it we expect it to stay looking like it did and they'll happily you know move the little critter around or whatever but they don't do that and I think um my own girls actually um did that uh one year we someone had bought them some stuff to do a fairy garden at home and so they got a really big pot and we got all the little bits and pieces to make this fairy garden and so we spent ages you know making this fairy garden and it looked amazing and we took photographs of it and I was like oh isn't that a beautiful fairy garden that's amazing go back inside and I come out a few minutes later and it's like just decimated (laughs) and I'm like oh my gosh why would they do that we just made it and my first reaction is that whole oh my gosh they've wrecked it but after that I kind of stopped and listened to them playing and it turned out there'd been a tornado. I mean, we don't have tornadoes here, but there was a tornado. Mm -hmm. Um, So there'd been a tornado and it had caused the destruction of the fairy world and whatever. And that fairy space never, ever looked the same again, but they played with it in a completely different way to what I expected.
1: Yeah, they it, it, it's I mean, again, it's we talk about on the show all the time. It's about uh, process over product. And yeah I think I think when adults set up these these small world play, I mean, a lot of adults will build these things so they can put them on Pinterest and Instagram and they look all perfect and they, that's the finished product for them. And then yeah, these- and I think it's funny because these same adults are often the same ones who wouldn't give
0: their cho- the children in their space a product-based art experience Mm -hmm. you know I I don't think it's always the same people like I think there are people who will say no I don't agree with the whole you know product-based art experience I love children to explore process and whatever and so they have that ethos but when it comes to this sort of play it's like that just disappears you know and I can say that because I've done it myself like Mm -hmm. you know and it's one of those things I think you always kind of can look back and go oh gosh I wouldn't do it like that now but back then I did do that and yet I wouldn't have been one to go here's a craptivity that I've made and I expect you to, you know, use these particular colors and do this and we're going to turn it into a fish or whatever. I would never have done anything like that, but I didn't see that direct correlation, I suppose, between that process in other areas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think we get, we get blind to those things sometimes, uh, and, and and so, I mean, maybe we need somebody to shake us up and, and pull those blinders off. But I, I think the way, you know, I maybe we need to do a definition of small world play for people that, I mean, is that a term everybody uses? I don't think, I'm not sure it is. Um, is it over there?
0: I don't know. We do tend to use it here. I don't know whether everyone always uses it for the same kind of thing. Like, I yeah. don't know if, if they if they mean exactly the same thing. I always, I know I've got my, vision in my mind but I think some people might use it in a different way I'm not sure
1: yeah for for me it's it's world building um and so it's small-scale world building so it's kids with uh, little bits and pieces building building worlds and sometimes that might be just a little tiny corner of a world um the last episode we recorded together you talked about something I would call small world play with your with your troll play and your pencils and your tech Text, textas? us, text your markers. <laughs> um, and so you laid those all out to make the floor plan of the house and then the trolls yes. uh, populated the house. And, and so there's that world. But then there's the, the world where, I mean, I would. I would create worlds with my for my little my little hot wheel cars, the little the little toy cars, and there would be roads and parking lots and and buildings and and so a lot of this goes on sometimes in block play where you build build roads or cities or zoos and that kind of stuff with with things. And then so there's the construction phase of the small world, and then there's the the playing in the world that they build but then the the children are are the overseers of that world it's it's really a a version of dramatic play
0: it is and i think what's happened is that we're as adults we've probably hijacked small world play we've actually kind of you know come in and gone cool that's a thing but i'm gonna make it for you you know i'm gonna set it up because you actually don't know how to set it up so i'm gonna set it up it's like we sort of send this message that it needs to look like this, um, you know, the, the little world for the dinosaurs should have this and this and this. Yet if we were just to provide, you know, baskets of loose parts that children can actually just use however they need to use them and it doesn't matter that they use, you know, the things that, because I think we get stuck in this, oh, well, these are the things I'd use for the dinosaur small world play, but I wouldn't use those same ones if we've got the fairies out or, you know, and it's like actually it shouldn't matter. Like, it should all just be stuff that can be used. And I think that's probably where, you know, we've got very focused as educators on the appearance and the setup and, you know, whether that's, I think social media does have a lot to answer for. Um, yeah. well, <laughs> in that yeah. regard, I think, you know, like, and and people will ask that question, you know, ha- can someone show me their setup for a, you know, a dinosaur space or a, you know, little village or whatever, and it's like, Let the children just set it up.
1: And and so maybe it's some of those adults have this expectation of of I'm gonna call it realism, although maybe that's not the right world word for these worlds that they're creating. And so that's not what a dinosaur world would look like. Um when the kids are using how do you know? Well, how do you know? You're not. You're, you're not doing it. You're not. You're not. You're not building the world right. And and the, the problem with that is that the world building is a huge part of the process. Because, and and that should should grow from within the children that are building the world, whether it's an individual child playing solo, or whether it's a group of children building together, it's their world, and it's going to have uh, a lot more meaning to them if they build it, but also that building is ripe with learning there's yeah. there's the the physical development there's the small muscle stuff that's going on with the building but there's also all the negotiating that's going on with the playmates while they're deciding okay the hospital needs to go over here and we're going to put the parking garage here and bunnings is going to be over there look i spoke some australian, <laughs> bunnings,
0: um, <laughs> <speaking> some australian.
1: <laughs> uh, american americans that's home depot or or lowe's uh <laughs> um, in Australia, so uh, and and there's that negotiation and that arguing and that bickering back and forth about how to do all those things, and so all of that language, all of that all that self regulation that goes into that stuff, and when we do the setup for them, it, it steals that, that from them. Yeah,
0: and and I think you know you kind of when you said that, it made me think about that um my troll small worlds with the textures and pencils. So. This friend and I, you know, used to build these and every time we'd build them, we'd have to negotiate, you know, where we're putting certain rooms and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, for some reason, I I don't know what the logic is, but we always had a phone room. So and this was in the days when, you know, your phones were attached to the wall. (laughs) So I think it was because as children, we were like you can't go anywhere with that phone. Like you're stuck there and everyone can hear your conversation because it's usually like in a central part of the house. So it's like you've got to sit there and talk to each other on the phone. And, yeah, I mean, we obviously had a great social life at seven. We We're on the phone to each other. Um, But we missed that. So we were like, no, we're going to put a phone room in these houses that we were designing. And I think if we had been given, say, a commercial built dollhouse for our Mm -hmm. trolls to live in or whatever we'd miss that you know you'd miss that negotiation and that creativity and those little i don't know those little bits of idea that come about because it, it means something to you rather than you know and i think that's one of those things you know i'm very anti stuff um but that concept around you know consumerism and the amount of stuff that children have now you know whether that's in early childhood services or in the home children tend to have a lot of stuff we provide them with a lot of things that are already made ready to do um already you know they're purpose designed and I think we're robbing children then of that that creativity to actually just create a space you know to make a cubby out of boxes or to you know build a lego house I mean I wrote in my notes about lego lego is a whole separate kettle of fish but and I do notice that we say lego with no s here it's just like Lego as a bunch is still just Lego um it's one or many is just Lego um (laughs) just one of those Australianisms. but I've noticed in recent years that you know when I was a kid you used to just get Lego as a big box and you'd just go and you'd make all sorts of things with it and now it's like they come as sets and you know it needs to look like the fire truck or the you know Harry Potter Castle or whatever Mm. and I think those sorts of pre-made things are really detracting from that concept around the creation of a small world. Yeah, well, know, it's it, not that children can't play with them; they can still play with them, and 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 they do. But I think it's different.
1: It it hijacks, like you said before, it hijacks the same way as setting up the the adult setting up the dinosaur world. Yeah. Um, those those kids kind of hijack the the creativity and innovation that comes with the Lego play. I, I totally agree, um, and so the kids the kids are a lot more forgiving when the things that grow out of their imagination don't look as perfect, um, as, as what the adults build. Um, yeah. the, the kids don't tend to need that. I, uh, and I've told the story before in the show, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a good example of this there. We were on a ro- long road trip, uh, years and years ago, probably back in the early nineties when I was a young parent and Nicole was a young child. <laughs> um, and, and my daughter is playing, we stopped at a, at a, I think it was like her fifth birthday or maybe her fourth birthday. We we're on a, on a road trip and we stopped at a, at a diner and ate pie and um, and we take off and they had one of those little toothpicks, you have toothpicks in Australia
0: we do yes
1: okay so, so and they are actually called toothpicks too, oh so. cool um yeah. we so we at the, the counter this little uh, this little, uh, little uh, country diner had a little toothpick uh, dispenser on the uh on the counter when we we're leaving and so she grabs a handful of those so this little thing you turn this little knob and they come out one at a time and she she grabs like 10 of them but then we're driving along and she's made a family out of them she's got a full-sized one that's the dad and she's breaking a little bit off of one that's the mom a little bit shorter and she's like another one broken. In half and that's the brother and sister and then another part of one is the dog or something and for literally hours in in the back seat of the of the truck she uh she had this had this world going on on her lap yeah just these tiny little pieces of wood and 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 totally content yeah. Um, and it was it was an amazing thing I didn't have to stop and build it I didn't have to I didn't yep. have to order anything from Amazon she just she just invented it and, and kids, I think are, that's kids where are drawn to this play
0: the kids are drawn to that but I think that's where we kind of can let them down in a way because we don't allow children to just you know be bored and come up with an idea you know like And now, I mean, I'm thinking back to the early 90s, we definitely weren't given iPads in the back of the car and whatever. And as I said before, we did a long road trip um, earlier this year. We did three weeks on the road. And, you know, our kids had a few things to keep them entertained, but not much. And it's like, you'll just have to make it up. Like, and I think one of my most common said parent phrases, it's probably not ideal, but is, I am not your entertainment coordinator. I'm like, this is not a cruise ship and I'm not your entertainment coordinator. Like, go and find something to do. And usually when they've been given that, oh, okay, so she's not giving us something to do. It's like, cool, I'll go off. And that's when they come up with, you know, these kinds of little worlds and I come out and all of them have built, you know, these houses out of Lego and there's like, you know, other things that don't belong with the Lego. You wouldn't normally put them with the Lego, but they're a part of it now too. And, you know, they've created this big space that sprawls through half the house. But it wouldn't be what I would have created because, you know, they've come to that themselves. And I think that's what's missing for a lot of children. They can't they don't have that opportunity to come to that themselves.
1: Yeah. So I I think if you really want to support the kind of small world play we would advocate for, you want you want space and you want loose parts and you want time and, and kids will figure it out. Yeah, Um, and I think there,
0: all of those things are lacking in a lot of in a lot of settings. You know, so many more people are kind of jumping on that loose parts. You know, I hate to say bandwagon, but I think some people jump on it because they think, oh, it's a thing I need to do. Um, But I think so many more people are embracing loose parts. But there's still children that do not have anywhere near enough time. You know, their time is so broken up between we're going to have lunch and then we're doing this and then we're doing that and we've got this they've got about half an hour within which to play and it's not time enough to design, you know, the troll house made of textures and pencils. Like you just can't do that in half an hour and play in that space you need. And I think that's why people set up, you know, the educators get into that pattern of setting up a space because it's already done for them. They can just go to it and play, but it's just robbing them of that opportunity to do that themselves.
1: Yeah. Rather than
0: looking at the bigger problem, which is the lack of time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the store-bought stuff a little bit ago, and I, I you know, now I would, I would avoid that stuff, but I got to say, back in the day, the, you know, 70s and early 80s, when I was being a kid, um, we, we had some of the store-bought stuff that we engaged in lots of small world play with. I mentioned my little cars, um, my little green soldiers. Those little bit you, you have those in Australia? Yes. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, we did. Not, yeah. not as much, I don't think, but we did. But I had something similar. We've got, and my mum actually still has it at her house. And so my kids play with it. I'll have to send you a photo because it's actually like vintage retro, very much so. Um, but it's a, a house, it's a Fisher Price house, and it opens up and, you know, it had a doorbell that actually rings and a mm-hmm. garage door that slides up and whatever. And I love that. You know, I can see them still play with it now, but it's not, it's still not real set. Like it's still quite open in that they could play with it with any sort of, you know, it doesn't yeah. need to be a particular doll that you use in it. And it doesn't need to be that you do a particular thing with it. It's still quite open and they can add other things to it. So I don't think I'm like completely against the store-bought stuff. It's just using it in balance with other things and us not setting it up for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was going to get to. We had a ton of the Fisher stuff back in the day, the, the little house that opened up, the little school. Uh, There's a boat. There's an airplane. There's a parking garage. And and we would set up just, we would take over the house and have, have yeah. cities built with this stuff, but then bring in the blocks and, yeah. and, and any other little bits and pieces to supplement that. Um, and so maybe you need loose parts. And then some of the, Some stock, you know, vehicles, um, I I really like the, the little wooden peg people that you have now you can you can just order them from uh from like hobby stores they're just wooden pegs that are kind yes. of in a roughly shape of a people so they don't have any faces or expressions and and just that generic look kids can decorate them if they want to but i, I don't I, I would gravitate towards that stuff and the stuff that has smiles painted on everybody's faces um, yeah because not everybody and, in the
0: game's happy yeah
1: <laughs> not everybody and, and, is happy and and they can be whatever whatever gender or, or color or whatever you need them to be they don't even have to be human um to, to to create the world and so some little human shaped props I think are good but then all the all the all the other stuff and if you're looking for room for small world play that's child-led in your program I, I think the the block play is kind of the natural space to let this be housed because there's yeah. a lot of that building going on and those blocks are already available to use as loose parts and then you just add some more props and uh, this kind of play will kind of naturally unfold um, on and also own. that
0: ability to take those things outdoors. Like there's a lot of children who will like to take, you know, those small world things outdoors mm-hmm. and actually create spaces outside. And yet the, I think there is a tendency to stop that because I oh, will lose all the things outside. But if the things are a bit more open-ended and, you know, not the little fancy dolls that we're so precious about because they cost a fortune or whatever, if they're a bit more open-ended, then we're a bit more, um, kind of amenable to them being taken outside and trumped through the dirt, if that's part of you know that play for the children.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just being able to to, to step back there, and I, I I think maybe what some caregivers that want to embrace this need to do, and I, I think we did a whole episode on this two or three hundred episodes ago, um, uh, is I I think there's a subpopulation of early learning people who need their own hobbies. Yes. Um, because yes. their hobby, their hobby becomes setting up the dramatic play space or building the, uh, the small world or bulletin boards or whatever it is. And- said Before
0: we get that ownership over. It, and then when it doesn't end up looking like what we wanted, because the children have come in and they have like, play- I've actually heard educators and fair call. I probably have been one in the past, but where it's like, well, why did I even bother? They've just messed it up. And now, you know, you get that really kind of, that resentment almost it's like actually they just did exactly what you want them to do which is play and that's you know it's a bad thing because you've become so invested in it because it's a it's like it's a reflection of you yeah. And as you say, you know, get something else to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, you get, you get a you get a hobby because because then way a a non child related hobby, um, your hobby doesn't have to be building <laughs> small worlds that with uh, w- and spending uh spending your weekend uh, making. Uh, miniature penguins uh or or whatever it is you're doing get a get a non-child related hobby and uh let your creativity flow that way and then trust the kids to let their creativity uh be involved in building those small worlds
0: yeah and i think one of the probably one of the best things or you know kind of advocates i think we've got for that here um, which you wouldn't have over there is an amazing show called play school now play school's been on the air i think for over 50 years Um, but it's a children's show kind of along the lines of Sesame Street, but a lot more low key, Um, no puppets generally, Um, but it's essentially adults engaged in play. Um, And I've always loved watching it. I watched it as a kid. My kids have watched it because it shows children the freedom that they can have to make anything into whatever it is that they want it to be. And that you don't need a lot of equipment and resources and whatever. And I always say to educators, you need to go back and watch some play school because there's, you know, there's freedom in that to go, actually, I don't need to have it perfectly set up. I don't need to come in and design a flower shop for the children to be able to play florists. If that's what they want to play. I just need, you know, some basic loose parts and, you know, art stuff that they can turn into whatever it is that they want to turn into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's all about giving them the trust. Um, Any, any more on this topic before we pull the plug?
0: No, well, I did have one last thing written down, which was thinking about how play, how small world play and that concept of um, setting it up, you know, most things as we talk about with play tend to go back to Peter Gray um, around that kind of, you know, definition or conditions of play, Uh you know, freely chosen. Yeah. freely chosen so again if we're allowing children to set up those spaces they're freely choosing it if i'm setting up that space and saying this is how we need it to look and how it's going it's not really play
1: yeah trust them to play in the worlds that they want to build instead of the ones you're building for them
0: absolutely oh that needs to go like on a t-shirt or something
1: yeah yeah get to that was that. good
0: that was oh. good write that down
1: Oh hey hey listeners! <laughs> um, a bunch of episodes ago, Sam, I mentioned I started running with my dogs, and Sam said she was going to uh, uh, design a, a shirt uh, for for me, and and she did, and it's uh, it's hilarious. Um, so look for that. Sam says we need some childcare bar and grill merch, and so maybe hey, the uh, the Wolf Pack Running uh, Club t shirt might be available for. Oh uh, nice. For, for order someday. Um, <laughs> Nicole, since this is, this is your separate, second episode as a, uh, uh, a co-host of the show, tell the listeners something that they don't know about you that they would find interesting that you're willing to share. Because I'm sure there's lots of stuff that they would find interesting that you don't want to share. Um, um,
0: okay, I don't have much that's overly interesting. Are we, are we talking a professional interesting? No, just a-
1: you as a person.
0: Okay, so me as a person, I am really great. And this might not seem like a skill in the US as I'm saying it. I'm thinking it might not be a skill out loud because I realize this is something that they do when you're stopped um, and tested to see if you've been drink driving. But um, here, it's pretty much a skill. I can say the alphabet backwards really quickly and easily and always have been able to. Um, Same. You
1: you have the same same alphabet there as we do? We do. Yes. Same alphabet.
0: Okay, you ready? Yeah. Z Y X W P. No, oh, no, I did it wrong. Oh okay, no, wait, go. Z Y X W V U T S and R-Q-P-O-N-M-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D and C B A.
1: Wow. That is uh that is and, and listeners, did you see how she said uh <laughs> she had she said Z in Australian. Z. Z, yeah. Z. Here it's Z.
0: Z Y X, yeah.
1: I'm just gonna start. Maybe I wonder start- if
0: when I say it forwards, I don't know if I say Z or Z. Huh. I'm not sure. I don't know if there's a standard here, really.
1: I think as in, in my goal to one day be able to say um, mate and bloody comfortably, I I think I'm going to start working Zed into my vocabulary yeah. and then work up to uh, to mate and bloody. Hey, mate, <laughs> this has been the Child Care Buyer and Girl podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for tuning in um share the show with a friend or an enemy we we like it when we get new <laughs> we listeners to, to test in and we don't we don't really care if they like you just share it if you think they might like the show bye bye see you soon well I mean, not see you. I mean we'll be you know what I mean <laughs> bye. Oh, that was a that was a bloody horrible ending <laughs> <laughs>
0: bloody awful